Oh, hey, kiddo. How was the hill? Educational. Oh, learned a new trick? Yeah, the trick to a happy, fulfilling life, maybe. I learned that mountain air unleashes my inner peace. And rip and pow, well, the whole crew's all, yoo, induces spontaneous joy. Okay, uh, that's nice. The Icon Pass lets you do you at 50 destinations worldwide from 249 Adult. Drop in for next winter now and save at IconPass.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. Um, so we have a really cool week this week, and I just wanted to pop on real quick just to summarize what we've got going on. So if you are listening to this episode and it is the day we released it, that would be Tuesday, the 11th of May. Um, so this week, we've got a couple really cool events, both on Clubhouse. And fun fact, Clubhouse is now available for Android users. So we will no longer have to simultaneously broadcast Clubhouse events on Zoom or also in our Facebook community, et cetera, et cetera. It's all going to be on Clubhouse. If you are an Android user and you do need an invitation, just DM us on Instagram, send us your LinkedIn account, and we will verify, of course, that you're in the industry and send you an invite right away. So Clubhouse is just the best. It's such a great community and so synergistic with what we're looking to achieve. So we are continuing to be all over Clubhouse, um, loving it so much. And again, it's just a great tool to to network and to connect with people. And um, oh my God, Zoom fatigue is so real. So it's just audio only. It feels like such a like a, I don't know, it's just so nice and and casual, um, the conversations that we have. Um, So we are doing two Clubhouse events this week, um, both at 11 a.m. Eastern. So Thursday, we have our regular breaking news and influencer marketing. Again, 11 a.m. this Thursday and every Thursday. Um, It's a really cool format. We we have a lot of fun with it every week that we do it. So hope you come contribute come up on stage, bring an article, give us your opinions on the article. Um, it's a really cool format. So definitely check it out. And of course, we're at whim over there on Clubhouse. And then on Friday, this is a VIP member event only. Um, we had our very first one this past Friday and it was so good. So I am super excited to have this continue. I hope that it's beneficial for people, but the very first one was. So I'm truly optimistic. It's meant to be an open forum to make it really the type of conversation you want it to be for that moment in time. Um, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it was basically what I was hoping for, which is just, again, like an open forum. You make it what you want. You can 
pull the group to see like, are you guys seeing this craziness too? Has anybody had an experience with this company, that company, good, bad, otherwise, um, or just to connect and have more premium networking where it's a Friday, mid-morning East Coast time, early morning Pacific, and we can just connect with each other and, and um, get to know each other a little bit better because there's always so much business we can do. So again, 11 a.m. Eastern on both Thursdays and Fridays. Thursday is breaking news and influencer marketing. Friday is VIP only office hours. Also, definitely worth mentioning, I've been chatting with many of you who have been patiently waiting to pull the trigger on your own whim membership. So we have not had a promo sort of campaign since we launched. And when I was thinking to myself, when would we want to do the next sort of promotion? Mother's Day. Um, so we quietly launched a promotion um, the day before Mother's Day, and we are running it through Stepmother's Day, which is Sunday, May 16th. So for that entire week, you can use promo code MOM on our website, IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com to get 15% off of your first year of a VIP level membership. We are running it from Mother's Day to Stepmother's Day because I'm a stepmom and I recognize you if either you are a stepmom or if you're an aunt or a grandmother or just supportive family or friends who are raising kids for the next generation. I I think it's monumental for those who are not only kicking ass in their careers, but also simultaneously raising little humans. So as a giant thank you and in support of what you are cultivating for yourself professionally, 15% off goes to you. So I hope you take advantage of it. Again, it's something we do very, very infrequently, but Mother's Day seemed like the appropriate time to do it. Um, With that being said, I would love to jump into this week's episode. Such a good one. So Shine, the women there, who you are going to hear from today, Emily and Jess, they're incredible. You know, look, there are a lot of management companies out there. Every company is going to take a different approach to management. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that that's my entryway point into influencer marketing. It's management. So I have a lot of opinions on um, how to manage talent, how to manage an agency since I had my own. And uh, I could honestly say that I I have so much respect for the way that they're running their agency. Um, I think it's fantastic. And so during this episode, you are going to learn all things talent management, running your own management company, what it is to have business partners doing it all. And um, let's jump into this week's episode. Welcome, Jess and Emily. This is going to be such a good conversation. Um, so get ready. Uh, we have two incredible women from Shine joining us today. Uh, we're going to ask some real, well, I, ho- I think we're going to ask some really great questions. I have some really great questions to ask, so you'll determine whether or not they're good. Be honest. I like the feedback. Um, so whether you're an influencer yourself and you have questions about how to get managed, or how to um, price your content appropriately, um, or how to best work with managers in whatever capacity. I cannot emphasize enough, like these are your women. So they are going to uh, be honest and real and supportive, um, because that is what women is all about. And they're 
both incredible members of our organization. Um, and so I know them that they will be giving it to you. With that being said, welcome Jess and Em. Um, Jess, do you want to introduce yourself to those listening? I'd love for you to just share a little bit more about you and your journey to influencer marketing. Of course. Thank you for having us. Um, so as you men- mentioned, I am Jess. I'm the co-founder of Shine Talent Group with my partner, Em, um, who's with us today as well. Um, so my road to influencer marketing kind of, you know, was a, a windy path. Um, so I started my career in publicity in Melbourne. I'm from Melbourne, Australia originally. Um, so worked predominantly in television and entertainment in Australia. And then I moved to Toronto around seven years ago and stumbled across M, who had like her freelance PR business at the time. And uh, we started a PR agency together first. And then, yeah, we kind of like fell backwards into influencer marketing, just in terms of like seeing a really, a really lovely space for it in, uh, in the Canadian market, first and foremost. Um, again, this is six years ago. So like in like, I feel like it's like dog years, you know, like in like influencer years, I'm like, oh, a lifetime decades ago. Um, so, so yeah, six, six or so years ago, you know, the landscape was completely different and there was a really nice opportunity for us to come in and, and really fill a void both for the, the influencers and bloggers and Instagrammers at the time and like the agencies and brands who didn't quite know like the best ways to connect with the talent and get the most out of their campaigns. So, so yeah, that's how, uh, that's how we started. And I'll let Em, uh, I'll let Em tell the rest of the story. Yeah, uh, we were just speaking to a new team member this week um, who joined our LA team and I was recounting like how Jess and I met, which seems like a minute ago and a million years ago, all the same. Um, But yes, so Jess and I both come from a pretty extensive background in PR, which I think has aided us a lot. Uh, We hear so often people talking about the influencer category and refer to it as being this like totally new space, this totally new thing. But in actuality, the way that, you know, Jess and I have always approached it is that it's not, it follows very much um, the same like proven principles of PR, about finding, you know, those tastemakers and ambassadors in different categories um, and then arming them with information so they can share it authentically like with their with their community um so Justin and I have uh, always shared that approach when it comes to um both our PR clients and then also um the influencer space and it's just been like a really wild exciting ride watching the past like six years unfold um we started off as being like just two freelancers coming together who decided to create an agency more because honestly we had booked a really big meeting we had booked a like a, a big meeting and we didn't want to go in as being like Jess and M we want to go in as being more professional. So started Shine really on a whim. Um, Never thought that it would be this, but I think I always innately knew that it was gonna be successful. We just didn't, I didn't know what that was gonna look like. Um, And, you know, since that time, we've obviously grown tremendously. We are now uh, not a team of two, we're a team of 25 across two markets, um, a team in Toronto and LA. Uh, and what started out as the influencers being just um, a unique offering that was trying to strengthen our PR business has now grown to be like 99% of the business of what we do. So very, very exciting journey. Super exciting. Um, and I, I love what you sort of started to touch on, which is like, I don't know, like success looks different depending on who you are, right? And, um, you know, you guys started in one place and 
and maybe with different intentions. And now you've grown and people look from the outside, look at Shine and say like, wow, this agency is like really successful. How is Shine different? Well, I think Jess and I are in different places, like in our careers as well. So I feel like when I look at the difference of when we started like six years ago to now, I feel like, you know, Shine has like grown up with the industry. So when we started um, and we were really trying to carve out like a niche for ourselves, we very much um, both had had experiences within the advertising and the PR industry of being like this very cold, like harsh space. Um, You know, particularly like Jess and I had freelanced at one agency together and we just had a lot of experiences when people were um, treating team members and um, even the relationship with some clients. Like it was, it was very like, it was very harsh and that's kind of how people People thought um, was the right way like to, to motivate or to kind of like gel teams together. And we had such like a strong like opposition to that. So when we like launched Shine, um, uh, we, we launched it with really like this like very like feminine, like positive like vibe first, which I actually feel like you do see more like thematically in agencies like nowadays. But six years ago, um, when we launched Shine and started an Instagram account and decided to not be posting about our clients or like our wins or our people because we really didn't have clients to be speaking about at that time. Um, we decided to, you know, post things about the the lifestyle that we were trying to like create like for ourselves. And it was a lot of quotes about like kindness and like, my gosh, like, you know, bunnies with um, flower crayons on and stuff like that. Um, so when I look at kind of that um, branding and positioning, which attracted a really amazing tribe in terms of um, the employees that we, that we gained and like the clients that we gained like from that, um, I feel like uh, like shine like has like like grown up to like a different like space now and we um still absolutely like lead with like kindness and positivity um but i feel like we don't need to be like as um as loud about it anymore because it's so ingrained in just like who we are and the and the team is bigger and the culture of who shine is it's known more well i really appreciate that because you know like it or not there are definitely other agencies that lead with um like that's not a priority (laughs) let's just say right the priority might just be making money at whatever cost right or the priority might be growth at whatever cost um because that's their priority and as a business person i'm not gonna knock that i i would never knock that but it's refreshing and i feel like i've it's clear to me that that mission and that distinction of yours really does come through. Um, So I appreciate that a lot. And I'm sure other people in the industry do, because like you, you set the, you pave the way, right? I mean, there are only so many management companies out there who work with influencers specifically. So to sort of take that approach, um, I think it's great. I think that also what's interesting is that in the talent management space in particular, it is really easy to get burnt out. Um, and I think that approaching your agency and you mentioned, you know, the, the talent that you attract in terms of um, managers and people that work for your company, um, they should, they, like, I hope that they appreciate it too, because elsewhere, and I'll speak personally, like, it is very easy to get burnt out unless you really strongly prioritize mental health. Um, what are your, like, you know, are there any specific thing, like conversations that happen behind the scenes at Shine in terms of, like, how 
how to stay, how to keep ahead of that, like how to, how to stay healthy in terms of mindset, um, considering how manic the industry can sometimes be. Yeah, I think this is something we talk about all the time. It's extremely important to us. And I think, you know, this year and and last being pandemic years, it, it was like, just pushed to the forefront like it hasn't been before. So I know towards the end of last year, and, and for, I, I believe this is the case for most talent management agencies, but Q4 is always just like a bonanza. Like it's wild. It's so busy. There's so much going on. So towards the end of last year, we were like, gosh, and not only our team, like our team, our talent, the agency, like no one's in a good mood. Like everyone's ready for like a break. And I think everyone's kind of, okay, get to the end of the year, get to the end of the year. And then like, we refresh like that's what the new year is like it starts again but like we started and like kind of in the same situation right so I think that you know towards the end of last year particularly we you know we we had experts come in to do both for our talent and our team separately to do sessions on burnout because we're like this is like this is real and and we we're very aware of you know that that they're feeling it and at the end of the day like our team is it will always be our biggest asset. Like if they're burnt out, then like we got some problems, you know? And so, so there's that, but then there's also, you know, finding, finding a nice balance and, and boundaries with, with talent, which can be really hard. Um, and, you know, we, we love our talent and, and, you know, they're all, but they're all creatives, right? So like they like potentially don't see like the business side of what we do all the time. Um, and it's hard to kind of, you know, find that balance of like, how much do you share of like what goes on behind the scenes? Like in some ways, like, well, that's our, that's our job to like handle all the nitty gritty, all the back and forth. They don't need to see that there's been a 50 email thread around usage rights. Like that's, that's what we're there for. That's what they pay us for. So, but at the same time, you know, we don't want it to, we don't want our talent to feel like, oh, like, oh, this was just easy peasy. Like, they just locked it in. There was no problem. So I think it's like, it's finding a nice balance there so that the talent like understand and really appreciate like how, how much time the team put into everything and how like innately personal it becomes. Like we, this is a a job where like you have to put your own personal ego on the back burner and be always advocating for other people. And that like, that can be tiresome, you know? And like, and as I said, like it's, it's easy to do in the sense that like we have such great relationships with our talent and, and that's really important to us, but it's, you know, they, they don't see everything that goes on and that's, that's very deliberate on our end. Like they don't, they don't need to see it. As I said, it's our job. And so, and so talk to us a little bit about that. Like for any influencers listening, let's say who want, you know, what, what don't, what don't they know? What don't they see? Give us like a brief overview of things that um, happen on a day-to-day that they're probably completely unaware of. Oh gosh, like so much. <laughs> like there's, there is so, I, I feel like they probably see 10% of what happens. And again, like, is that, is it a good or a bad thing? Like, I don't know. I don't know which like side of the fence I sit on. I sit like just on the fence on that one, I guess. Um, because, you know, there's, like obviously like all the internal meetings, you know, there's all of like the strategy and that's like, you know, where, where M and I come into play as well. And like potentially like our team don't see half the things that we do to, we're talking about this earlier today. Like it's, it's those little things that we do that like it enables the agency to run as it, as it does. And that, you know, certainly the talent don't see. Um, And again, that it's, it's not in any way, any kind of negative, but 
you know, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of meetings and strategy sessions that like we do with the team alone, just to like arm them with like really incredible, like strategic mindsets and capabilities so that, you know, when they are going out and pitching, like it's, it's strong and it's, it's good and it's successful. So I think, you know, there's, there's that they, they don't see all the pitches that happen that the answer is no. And then the, the email back to like push it further, the calls, the like, you know, just like that kind of general, like agency marketing that really like serves ev- like the purpose is that it serves everyone really well. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's a bit of that, but M, is there any, I'm like, what am I missing there? There's, as I said, there's a lot of things that people don't see. <laughs> yeah. And I think we were talking about this recently because we were talking about like the difference between being um, with a larger agency versus being um, self-managed or being with like, you know, um, an independent person who maybe only has like three talent. And and I think like a lot of the things that um, we do and the advantages of being part of the larger agency is that strategy piece and all the patterns and trends that we see. So all that information that like we're privy to because we do hundreds of campaigns, like every month we do hundreds of campaigns like across North America we're able to see um very quickly before most people do what is working and what's not what is the trend in terms of like the dominance of different kinds of brands coming in what is the trends in terms of like um the interest in certain kinds of social voices we we are looking at, at the information and Jess and I are analyzing it constantly it's just what we do like organically now. And that information gets filtered through in every conversation that we have with our team. So if a talent is struggling in terms of hitting like billing goals or if we're evaluating, bringing on a new talent, like to the team, these are all the things that we're processing at all times um, that uh, I don't think people understand like the the volume uh, that we have to kind of sift through in order to make ourselves successful. And, you know, Jesse, you said like earlier on about like how, and that's amazing. I love hearing about how there's five new job postings like in this, in this category, in this space right now with WIM. Um, and that's like somewhat pandemic proof. I think that we're very lucky in terms of being uh, working in a space that allows us to continue, but it's, it's not pandemic proof in the fact that we've seen also like a lot of agencies like close their doors last year um and the ones who have like prevailed the ones who have had a lot of strength are the ones who are able to like uh, rapidly be able to digest all this information that we get in order to like serve their talent better or to pitch stronger or to make you know more successful collaborations because it's um it's not just by nature of like being online it's it's being able to understand all those different communication tools and all those different like points of difference um to be able to make like really like strong successful campaigns absolutely um and that's definitely worth noting so we're gonna take a little bit of a shift to be able to just get to know the two of you a little bit better. Um, we, we see, you know, the professional side, but I always like to just get to know you ladies more on a personal note. And so we have these like fun, rapid fire, get to know you questions that we've been doing lately. Um, and so are you ready? <laughs> Let's go for it. Cool. So first question, and this one's directed towards M. Um, what's your favorite social media app? I personally like Pinterest. Like that's the one that I'm on the most personally. Like I love surfing through like recipes or if I'm like looking for, you know, other like design ideas or I was just looking the other day because I, I moved recently. So I'm looking for like ideas, like for like my backyard. So I, uh, 
I'm like a sucker for Pinterest. That's the one I, I certainly love to, to play on. Um, and then like, obviously Instagram, we, we know Instagram like the most. And I, I love, I love sifting through Instagram as well. So good. Um, Jess question for you. What is your favorite age to be? Ooh, this is such an interesting one. I feel like birthdays are such a funny thing for people. Like I, my birthday was right around a month ago now. Um, and I feel like every age that I'm at kind of becomes my favorite age. Like I'm not, like, I don't look back. I'm like, oh, like I, I just turned 34. I'm like, how old am I? I just turned 34. Um, and I'm not like, oh, I wish I was 27 again. Like, I don't think I have that. Like I, I like, I think like my life thus far has gotten like more fun and more exciting as I've gotten older and I've had access to more things and that like, that just like excites me so much. So like, I'm, I'm like the biggest birthday person. I throw like ridiculous birthday parties um, in celebration of myself every year. Um, so I pre COVID of course, but, uh, but yeah, so I think, uh, I think I've just got to say my current age. I love it. So living in the present. I, that's awesome. Um, M, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I wanted to be a dancer. So <laughs> And I did, I did end up going to university for dance, but as like a kid, I still remember watching like dirty dancing and like, I wanted to be Penny. Like I wanted to be like the like ex rocket who was like working at some, you know, resort, which is so, so, so funny when I like look back at it now, cause I was like so young watching like that movie and that being like my big aspiration, but yes, I wanted to be a dancer. <laughs> I love it. No, I studied the arts too. as a musical theater major. So I can totally appreciate that. Um, Jess, do you like, well, I think I know the answer to this question based on your last answer, but do you like or dislike surprises? I, I think it's one, I'll say, I think it's very hard to surprise me. I don't think I'm super surprisable, if that's a word. Um, but no, I, I, I love a surprise. I'm, yeah. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Always down for a surprise. Oh my gosh. Well, now like Em and I are going to be up for the challenge and we're definitely going to find a way to surprise you with something. Um, and uh, Em, what is the most interesting thing that you can see out of your window right now? <laughs> um, out of my window right now, I have an almost completed um, swing set. So my boyfriend had moved his sister's swing set over to my old house and I had to like take it down and put it back up together for that. And then when I moved recently, it's been like taken down and put back up together again. It's a really like extensive swing set that's worth the move, but it's, it's pretty elaborate to put it together. Um, so it's not, it's not quite done yet, but it's, it's there. <laughs> Perfect. No, I love that. Oh, I wish I were in the suburbs during this whole pandemic thing. We don't have room for that in Brooklyn. Um, that's awesome. Um, so ladies, I love to hear about your relationship in particular. Like we have people that we interview on Clubhouse, the podcast, etc., And most of them are solo business owners. Um, and maybe they've hired people, but they're certainly not partners. Um, I've had business partners. It wasn't great. And so I think 
think that it's 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 so interesting to hear. I want to learn from you. Like, how did you get into business in the first place? And you know, how do you navigate your business relationship as partners together? I think this is such a fun one, and we like love to talk about this because you're totally right. Like in both in PR and the influencer space, like we don't see a lot of partnerships. Obviously, you know, there's there's a few out there and some ones that we have seen like have, as you said, Jesse, like not good um, and have like ended badly. And each time we like Em and I had like, I don't think so much anymore, but like when we would hear about like a business partnership, like breaking down in like not a good way, we'd always be like, like, are we next? Like, is that us? Um, but I think like we we came into this in like a very unique way in that like we did not know each other like at all. So like, I think a lot of people go into business as like friends and and things like that. And that it can get really icky. So obviously like we're, we're very good friends now. Like we, we're very close friends, of course, but it's like, that came more as like a secondary thing. So like when, when we met, like, as I said, I, I'd, I'd moved to Toronto I like moved for a boy. I knew no one, like not, not a soul except for that guy. Um, and no one would hire me. So like, I was like, not, I was like, someone's got to hire me. Like I, I need to get a job. Um, and I ended up randomly, long story short, connecting with someone who knew M and, and she wasn't in PR. She was in like the wedding planning industry. And that's what I thought I wanted to do in Toronto. And, uh, and she was like, oh, I don't think you're, I, I, I have all the consultants that I need, but you sound like you're much more suited to PR. Like I'm connecting you with my friend. And I was like completely disenchanted with PR. Like it was dead to me. Didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and anyway, her friend was M. And then M, like I, I looked back on this a while ago because in my mind, like I was like, oh, it was like, you know, days or a week later, like M emailed me back and we went and met. But when I, when I went back and looked at it for like a talk I was doing for a school, it was like two hours later in my mind. It was just like, so long um so we went and met and we started working together that day like as em mentioned she had like her freelance pr business that was kind of getting like like a little bit too much for, like her to manage solo which is obviously a great spot to be in as a freelancer um so we just kind of started working together and and we i think where like our skill set is so like wonderful is that, like we both we both have really different skill sets so like you know, like we're in meetings together, of course, all the time. And like, Emma will ask questions. I'm like, I would in a million years never have thought to ask that. But I'm like, what a good question. But like, it's just like things that would never cross my mind ever. Um, so I think like our, like where our skill sets are different, we like intersect in so many ways in terms of like how we want to run a business. And and Em touched on that before. Um, so like, we, it was important to us to, to like lead with kindness and, and like, genuinely care for our team and and have a team that like felt like family like that was always like really important and I think we did a lot of work at the very beginning of shine with some business consultants who have become very good friends of ours um but we did a lot of work with them and what that kind of showed us it was like we had this very like unique and similar kind of set of values but different skill sets to bring to the table. But that just like, it just intersected perfectly because we always knew kind of what we were coming back to, like what's like the core purpose of this. And like, and it was like, I've got to say, I think one of um, one of the biggest things that it comes down to, it was never like financially driven. Like it wasn't like, we obviously like we, we need to live, like we need to make money, but it wasn't like, 
let's like make all the money in the world. Like that wasn't where we came to it from. We're like, we want to like build something really special. And I think that that's kind of allowed us to, you know, always like look back. And there's been many times like throughout this business and Jesse, like, you know, all too well, like it's like, it's hard. Like it's, it's hard to manage talent. It's hard to manage a team. It's hard to grow a company. And I think, you know, as challenges have like popped up along over the years, um, you know, there's been times where I've come back and be like, okay, like, do we change the way we operate? Like something would have happened that kind of rocked the boat and we'd be like, should we be, just as a small example, like, should we be much like harder on the team? Should we kind of pull ourselves back from that and, and, and not have those like friendships and be more like, we're the boss, you're the employee, you're the employee. Like, should we kind of go back to that? And, and, you know, we'd both like kind of look at each other and be like, well, if we're doing that, like, it's not fun for us anymore. Like, and it, it's like, that's, that's not why we, we started this business. And, and I think, as I said, like, I really do feel strongly that it's, it has been one of our greatest assets because we've always been able to like, been able to come back to that. And I, like, I love the team being able to see that. Like our team CS disagree, like every day, like we always have different ideas, like disagreement is like too strong of a word even, but like, we always have different ideas, but like, it's, I love them being able to see us like M can say like I think it should be A and I say it should be D and then like how we like figure out like okay let's bring a part of A and a part of D and like this works really nicely and like kind of like watching us ideate on something like I know and a bunch of our team members have said like it's really interesting to watch you together come to something that like neither of you were really at at the beginning like so like I think that's been like really fun I forgot what the question was I went off on a tangent I'm sorry <laughs> talking about like our partnership I am um, I like I I've thought about it like a lot and I'm like like immensely proud of it like I, I I really I really am and I think that over the years like we've recognized like how um rare it is because we've seen a lot of partnerships like who have broken down for like lots of different lots of different uh, reasons um so people have asked us like often like what it was like about um Jess and I that did make it work and I certainly do believe as just said because we didn't like it's so it's so rare like because we didn't actually have history together because we met together first through work um there wasn't it, we came into the relationship incredibly like clean that way like there was no no things that we had to like work out in terms of like that past relationship but the other thing that happened right at the beginning that i think was like a big part of it is that we both um both wanted and needed it um equally so just to come from australia to canada um to, to start you know new life and she had a boyfriend who she moved to um and uh she ended that relationship a couple months into into being here and then I like myself I I was married and I had had like two children um and around the same time like I decided to like leave my marriage and that for Jess and I both like Jess wanted to stay here in Canada and and make you know a go of, of this and I was in a position that like I really had to I really had to step up and become like completely you know financially independent so so at that point in time, like we both, we both like needed it to work. We both needed something to work. We leaned on each other and bonded um, with each other because of that. Um, but then also both had had some pretty similar experiences that we had 
um, as Jess has uh, shared, like the same like viewpoint in terms of what kind of life like we wanted to build, like what kind of like life and like work life that we wanted to build. And I think that basis, like that was the motivator. So it, it was financial in terms of becoming like independent and being able to like, um, like live the lives that we wanted, but it wasn't a financial goal in terms of being like, it just never, it just never um, drove a lot of our decision. And it still doesn't like we are mindful and we are um feel responsible in terms of being like profitable for the the greater business for our talent for our team like for the overall like growth but Jess and I are equally not um motivated by the same way that in terms of where you feel um you know in terms of greed like we, we don't we don't have that that's not what like um excites us uh, and I think that like core basis like it just allows us to work out like so many of um the 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 bumps that are and challenges that go along with you know growth it, it makes us always stay like very focused on like the greater picture of like what we've built and um and just trying to to preserve that does that like does that give you some information <laughs> yes a hundred percent and I have a follow-up question though too because it's it's really interesting the way that you ladies talk about this but you're financially six I mean I don't know how you, I mean I'm not looking in your books or anything but like from the outside it seems like you're financially successful so logistically speaking or technically speaking do you just fully out so I mean obviously you have a hand in that but like who manages who whose job is it to focus on that do you outsource it did you did you bring somebody on the team um or is it just something that you know between the two of you like how do you guys handle that because someone's doing it so I want to know how that's been successfully handled for you for you well, we, we, we are involved and don't get me wrong, like in terms of like, it's not that we're not involved in the finances. We've always been like intimately involved in the finances and have, you know, had to grow and like learn as like the company has gotten larger and larger. Um, so we've always been like involved with it, but it's not the, the core motivating factor is what I'm saying that we didn't go into this business for the purpose of we're going to make a ton of money. Like that's not what had ever like driven us before. Um, but we are, we are involved, but in terms of like where we are like currently right now with like the finances and our, and our structure, we do have a lot of support. We have to, we're, we're a large agency. So, um, this, just this year, we brought on an internal like finance lead. We have two full-time bookkeepers. We have external accountants. So, um, there's a very large team that, um, supports Jess and I in making all these decisions in terms of finances. I'd love to pivot a little bit just to talk about like the nitty gritty of, you know, working with influencers and, and part brand partnerships and stuff like that, because I know we have listeners who are wanting to know answers to those questions as well. So like a question to start, this is a conversation that needs to be had so much more. It's such a juicy conversation. I want to talk about pricing. <laughs> I want to talk about how, you know, we're talking a little bit of finances. Fantastic. Cause I feel like we need to talk about those things as, as women in business more often, because it shouldn't be a stigma. It should be talked about all the time. And so let's even speak specifically now about pricing influencer partnerships. I would love to hear, you know, are you under the camp that there is some sort of formula? Let's talk about rate cards on media kits that I know Jess and I had spoken about previously. My question is like when someone from a brand or an agency on behalf of a brand comes to you and want to work, wants to work with one of your influencers, where do you start in terms of pricing? 
Uh, so I know, uh, Jesse, we, we talked about this last week or something, and I, I think this was one that we, uh, we disagreed on in a fun way. I, that's why I love, uh, I love chatting with you so much. But so we, we have our prices on our media kits um, as like a general rule. There is absolutely a disclaimer on them that says, you know, this is, this is depend, you know, this does not include exclusivity, whitelisting, usage, um, and, you know, anything additional. And, you know, at the end of the day, like each campaign is like, it is just so different. So they are priced out like uniquely on a campaign by campaign basis. But I think it's nice for uh, the brands and agencies to have just like a base point because they might be like, oh my gosh, we love talent A. We want to work with her. She's amazing, perfectly aligned, yada, yada, yada. So we can say, great, like here's her media kit. So they know, okay, like the, these are the demos. This is this, this is that. But they might have been expecting to work with them for $3,000. And then they're, they're going to see like, oh, their starting rates at 10. So either we need to go back to the, like we need to go come back to the table and be like, okay, can we find the budget to work with this person who we really want to work with? Or are they just like way out of our price range? And do we need to like look at alternatives? Um, so that's why like, you know, we feel that for the brands and agencies, it, you know, we really look at our role as being making, like we should make their life easier. Like that is our role as the talent management agency. So I think that kind of cuts down on like that, like awkward dance that we do about like, what's the budget? Well, how much do you have? And what's that like? Uh, like it's kind of like let's just cut the bullshit and be like these these are the rates you know give or take there's always room for negotiation no question um, but I think it just kind of cuts out some of that time and again hopefully it makes life easier for the agencies and brands that we're working with um, and and quite and follow up question for you like now you have a whole team of people like do you sort of train your talent managers to negotiate in similar ways or do you encourage them each to have their own negotiation style yeah i think at the end of the day they just do have their own negotiation styles like they, they have different personalities right so like and we've had a bunch of team members who have had like really different um negotiation tactics and and i think that like that works to their benefit like that's why each of them are, are great in their own ways um, but in terms of like, in general, like, yes, like we absolutely look at like different kinds of negotiation tactics, different, um, you know, ways to respond to emails, different ways to, to get the answers that you need, um, and the information you need to take back to your talent. Um, so we do like, I don't know what I would call them, like little kind of like internal workshops, like all the time, like what to do if like your talent's not billing, what to do if your talent's not hitting goals, like what to do if a, a brand's not getting back to you, like all of these things, like we want to like keep giving the team like more and more and more resources over time, especially because the industry is constantly evolving as well. Yeah. I like the negotiation tactics, like versus like education points. Like I feel like our like approach, like mainly like when it comes to like our team is we're trying to just educate them so they can also educate both like the brands and the talent on like the reasons why the reason why rates are a certain way. Like I know like one thing we were just speaking about like recently is in some contracts when we were, the team was getting contracts back that they might've um, had discussions about like an, an exclusivity um, term, but then they were getting contracts with also um, uh, usage extending beyond the exclusivity term and just things like that. Like it's not necessarily to negotiate hard or like go in with like a different, um, you know, uh, tactic to kind of like up the budget, but it's just to like educate them about like what that means. 
Um, because if the if the usage term is beyond the exclusivity term, well, they're also kind of like um, uh, they're also taking away opportunities in terms of that like one talent to potentially be working with another brand because they're still like, having their content being boosted and being exposed like over you know another month or per se. Um, so I think what we do like really well um, is is uh, educating like the team and giving them like really good language to be able to break down all these different things for both the brand like and the talent so they can come to like a really good common place or they can um justify and like stand behind the rates that they have and people understand where those rates come from. I think that's like one of the reasons why uh, Shine has such a good reputation in the industry because like there is transparency in terms of like how we come up with rates. Like it's it's not just a number like pulled out of the sky. Like it makes sense in terms of what um, the ask is. Yeah, definitely. And you know, what? Wh how are those conversations with influencers? Because I can imagine that, especially if you're so close to your work, you could think your work is worth a million dollars for one post and have, you know, 50 followers. I'm obviously exaggerating, but you know what I mean. And so, you know, how do those conversations go to be able to not only educate your team, but educate your extended team, which is, of course, the influencers? How do you decide? on pricing and make sure that everybody's comfortable? Well, I think, you know, we have the luxury of representing a lot of talent. So that kind of gives us a really nice baseline. So when someone new comes to us, you know, obviously we want to know what they've been charging before. Um, so we're, we're absolutely getting a comprehensive list of, you know, all of the deals they've done, let's say for the last six months. So that we can say like, okay, like on average here, like we can eyeball that and say, like, okay, it looks like you usually get around a thousand dollars for an Instagram post give or take, you know? Um, so we can look at that and say like, according to, you know, the rest of our talent and, and what we know to be, I say industry standards in huge quotation marks because they don't exist. Um, but you know, what is that kind of like average across the industry? Um, and we can say, you know, like you've been pricing yourself at around a thousand dollars. We think we can probably put you at 1500 and, and we think that's like a, we think that's fair and reasonable, but it's always like with the provision of like, let's just test it out. Like, Social is trial and error. Everything we do, like nothing is set in stone. And like, even if we decide to set a rate at $5,000 for a post, like that doesn't mean that the talent's not going to agree or want to do a, like a post for 2000 or 3000 or contra. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, like, because everything is so negotiable, like it's nice to have the rates as a baseline. Um, but, you know, as we say to our talent, like we're never going to force you to do anything. Like we'll give you all the strategy and all the advice in the world. But like at the end of the day, this is your brand. You get to choose if you want to work on the campaigns. Like, we'll, as I said, we'll give you advice, recommendation, our opinion, if you want it. Um, but you don't have to follow it. Like it's, you know, it's, it's your brand. So I don't think, and, and maybe the team would, would uh, tell me I'm wrong on this, but I really don't think we've, we've had difficult conversations around talent thinking their rates should be higher. If anything, I think talent have said their rates might be, should be lower. Um, and that might be based on like, you know, them coming into this and like not having a manager. It might be based on them being worried about not getting enough work. So they're like, well, if my rates are low, I can get more jobs. Um, our mentality is always work, uh, you know, work, work less and work harder, right? Like, oh my God, work smarter, not harder. Oh my gosh. That's it. 
There we go. I'm curious also on the other side of things, like trends wise, because I am under the camp that like any successful business measures trends and data and you analyze things. And you were talking a bit about that earlier in terms of even your own like success. Um, When it comes to brands and agencies who are the first ones either to pitch a price or are, you know, uh, countering a price. Um, where do you feel like that is going in terms of um, how brands view pricing for influencers? Are they fair? Are they are they higher than expected? Or are they still really like undercutting um, the prices that you think are fair? I think like year over year, we always um, see an increase. And I think it, it makes sense because I think when, you know, brands are, are setting budgets, like it's often for like, like, you know, the year ahead. So it kind of takes almost like a year for it to start to catch up a little bit. I I believe that like, um, I, the majority of brands and agencies that come to us at this point now, um, where there are still like a few who are looking for contra deals, I think most people know now when you're looking to work with like established talent um, who've been doing this for a while, who have proven like a, you know, a success in terms of being a great collaborator, that there are some fees like attached to it. So I don't think we really have to battle like the same conversations in terms of like, um, like contra offers that we used to. And I would say like looking at like the average deal size and how that's like increased, like you're year. Yes, budgets are budgets are coming in um, stronger. Brands are also factoring in things um, in the upfront, which they didn't before in terms of like usage and exclusivity, um, where beforehand that used to be a bit of like a surprise to them. They would come in with a rate and then be like, oh, you know, there's this like secondary um, budget that would need to be applied that they wouldn't have necessarily um, budgeted for themselves. I don't think that is happening as much anymore. So the, the the um, direction of where everything is going seems to be to like a really like fair place. And that's probably just like through a few years of education and understanding um, what what is necessary to play in the space. Yeah, and I appreciate that because like so much of it is education. I don't know. I mean, look, like even WIM has people from all angles uh, that they approach influencer marketing in. Um, but yeah, what marketing trends have really stood out to you lately? Let's chat about that a little bit. Yeah, we were just chatting about this uh, with with someone yesterday, and and we love to see, um, you know, I, I think we see this rolling out on Instagram, and and I think Clubhouse is a big part of it. But I love to see, and, and I don't know that I'd necessarily call it a trend, but like just like there's just so much more. There feels like there's so much more realness now on 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 the app, and I think that you know, like uh, apps like Clubhouse have been able to be so successful so quickly because it just shows that the consumer is so interested in getting like more and more and more and more like content information insight. Like they, they want that. So for us as like marketers, that's, that's great. Like we love to hear that. Um, But I think, you know, particularly like we've, we've worked pretty extensively in like the body confidence space, which has been like something that's really just like important to us. Um, so, so with that, like we've seen just so much realness there, particularly from women, but men as well. And it's certainly not a conversation that we think men should be left out of. Um, but it's been, that's been really exciting for us to watch. We represent some like amazing people in that, 
in that category. Um, so seeing that trend, if, if we would call it that, like continue to rise is like really exciting. I know we had touched on um, briefly and I've, I know I've hopped on about it on, on Clubhouse many times before, um, but you know, that it was like a big part of the reason why we launched the BodCon. So like the BodCon, you know, a, a virtual conference for all things body confidence, body positivity, self-love. And that really came out of us being able to like identify that trend and see that like there wasn't there weren't there, there wasn't much happening in the space in terms of like large scale virtual conferences like let's let's do this and we love that shine has kind of provided us with a bit of a there aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee but the mcdonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. A springboard not to just identify those trends, but to action them and like do do really cool things with them that we think will really like help people. And like with that, like it's such a clear goal of like we want people to feel like good about their bodies and like worthy no matter what size or shape or color or age or all the things like no matter what they are that like they like they're worthy and and it's you know it's been it's been a really fun fun one for us to watch and to be able to kind of like you know work on like passion projects like that that are like so connected to the influencer space because of like that's where like those trends tend to come from now so so yeah that's uh that's a fun one that we uh we love Oh, wait, I'm so glad that you brought up BonCon. I'm like, I think that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. How can people find out about what you guys are doing with that? Because I personally, as someone who's like, hasn't been anything below a size 12 since I don't even know, it really resonates with me. I think it's the coolest concept. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So like, as Jess said, it was really something that like stemmed from a bit of like a passion project of Jess and I, um, you know, having like lots of representing a lot of talent, like in the space and just also seeing like the amazing things in terms of like how social has been able to like curve um, brands directions as well. I feel like a lot of the times, like people look at the social space, especially like when it comes to like body confidence as being like this negative thing that it's showing these like un um, unrealistic body types and kind of like making people feel like badly about themselves. So yes, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, but there has also been this flip side to this that we've been watching over the past couple of years that we're so um, incredibly proud to like be a part of. And that's by way of like really strong um, social voices who are speaking out about body confidence and body acceptance um, in that space and um, really building up a community and drive of people who, who, who need this, who have been craving, you know, different kinds of ambassadors and people to look up to um, who have this viewpoint. And because of that, because of the strength in that, brands are starting to come on board. Brands are starting to shift like their advertising and marketing to be aligned in the body confidence space. And that's really like by way of power of showing like the mass um, who's interested in, in um, seeing things like this. So um, the BodCon was developed out of that. Uh, we started off as being um, a virtual conference, an annual virtual conference. We had our first one 
uh, in February with like 45 incredible speakers. And it was just an amazing, an amazing day. But because we saw um, the interest in the community to connect thereafter, we decided to not just make this an annual event, um, but we're actually going to be doing um, like monthly or bi-monthly different mini events like throughout the year leading up to the conference, um, which will also take place again in 2022. And we just recently launched our own podcast as well, because there was such interest in um, continuing the conversations. The, the conference almost just teased some of these like amazing conversations that happened and um, our community really wanted to dive in uh, deeper. So we've you know, launched a podcast and then we'll also have some wonderful mini events, different like activities or um, you know creative spaces or mini panels uh, diving in deeper to some to some specific topics. That's so good. I, uh, when you guys first told me about this back, like, I don't know if it was the end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021, I was like, that is such a good idea. And I love that you guys are sort of like diversifying yourselves as a business. I mean, it's obviously related, um, but it's just like further amplifying uh, like a passion project of yours. You don't have to really go into something like this. Like you can stay in your lane and people say that all the time. You know, people are like, oh, like do one thing and do it really well. I've actually never been under that camp. Like we're human. So we have different interests. And I think it's like totally explore your interests because to your point, before like whatever you're most passionate about wherever your passion points are like you'll just chances you're more, much more likely to be successful you won't necessarily guarantee success let's be real but like yeah that's that's where the motivation comes from and it's so interesting I love that we're talking so much today about like just what motivates you um and I I love that this is a conversation that we talk about motivation in terms of business ownership in terms of um like even how you're working with influencers um how you uh, what what's your motivation when you go dive into a negotiation all the things um so it's been such a pleasure chatting with you ladies. I will probably have to have you back on the show um, sometime soon on the podcast, on Clubhouse. Um, and I'm just super grateful that you could spend so much time with us today. Um, we ask this question of everybody that we chat with. I'm super excited to hear from each of you. Um, I don't know, Jess, why don't we start with you and then we'll move to M because I want to hear from both of you. Um, what do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? Oh, these are such good questions. I'm like, I want to know what everyone else said. I'm like, I want to hear everyone else's advice. I feel like it's such a, it's such a good question. Um, but I, I think I've got to go with like a pretty, I'm going to go with a pretty simple one. Um, that's like, don't, don't be afraid to like divert from like a traditional path. You know what I mean? Like, like, don't be afraid of like what other people think if you're doing something that's different and, and to just kind of like stay true to like, like what, what you know to be right for you. Um, as I said, it's a pretty like simple one. And, and I think it's, it's important. Like if I could go, you know, looking back, I'm like, I wonder if I, if I knew that would I've made different decisions, maybe, maybe not. I don't think I've like taken the most traditional path anyway. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that would be, uh, that would be my advice. No, I love that. And like, look, everybody who answers these questions, it's like, it's usually like 20, 30 years after <laughs> that could have happened. So you can't go back. And so, you know, it's just, it's sort of, it's about leaving, leaving food for thought for those uh, who are, were creating um, a path for. So I totally appreciate that. What about you, Em? 
feel like we've like talked a lot about like different like motivations and like passions like today. Um, and when I look back on my career path, um, I certainly uh, like just like didn't have um, a traditional one. And I, I did just follow uh, what I was passionate about, like by way of the fact that I even like went to university like for dance, which is kind of like a, a, a non-traditional way to get into business. Um, but when I when I look back and reflect on it, like I know that each of those things that I did and the decisions I made, I just leaned in towards the things that um, made me feel good that I was excited by. And that's still like very much a principle of shine and why we do still like test and try different ideas. We lean into things that we are like excited about. Um, so uh, advice to my younger self would be to trust that because I don't think anybody ever told me that that was okay. Um, and I thought that I was being um, frivolous, like in my decisions by just like being like, oh, I'm going to go into dance and oh, I'm going to do this because it, you know, it feels good or fun. Um, when really like it, like that was okay, because that was, that was leading me to where I needed to be. And I didn't have to do the traditional things in terms of going to, you know, a business school or, you know, following like those paths. I, um, what, what I did actually was the right thing the right thing for you and your desires and your motivations all are going to change over the years so i think it's just yeah it's just about like staying in tune and in touch with what that is um ladies i have a feeling that uh, people listening are totally want to get in touch with you how can everyone what is the best way for everyone to get in touch with you today we're all over so on uh so websites we're shinetalentgroup.com uh the bodcon website is thebodcon.com and on socials, we are shine underscore influences. And what else do we have? The Bod, the BodCon uh, socials is the BodCon um, on Instagram. So yeah, that's a, that's a pretty easy one. But yeah, we're all over. Our team's all over. So, uh, so yeah, via the website, you can certainly, you know, find us, email us. And uh, yeah, we, we love, you know, we love chatting with people. So there's, a, there's always an open end on, over here. I love it. I love it. And she means it when she says that. So thank you so, so much, ladies, for uh, the chat today. You are the best. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, a rating. But the most important thing that we could ask you to do is to share this podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week.
Hope you've been enjoying this episode as a special treat and a huge thank you for being such a loyal listener of the podcast. We're offering you 10% off your first year of a VIP membership to our collective. Essentially, it's our Facebook group on steroids. <laughs> so check out all of the benefits at imwim.com slash benefits and then use code podcast 2021 to get 10% off your first year of a VIP collective membership. Again, that's code podcast 2021. Okay, so go sign up, but also keep listening to this episode. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m.